the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm just well, gonna throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. We were debating whether to whip this guy's ass or not. Hello, everyone. This is Brandon, along with my co-host, Ed. Hi. How you guys doing tonight? How's it going, Ed? It's going okay. I think so. <laughs> How was the weekend? Um, it's pretty good. You know, I had a gig Saturday, and um, it's funny the things that you don't pay to. Like, we were hosting it. Well, I was because sometimes I like to put together shows. I hate it. At the same time, I like it. But you never know when you hear things later on that you weren't aware of. Like, you know, let's just say if you're going to have volunteers for a show, make sure you're not wasted. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, like, well, like if you're not familiar with helping out a band, not in a musical sense, but like, like if you're going to be a, a roadie or a hand at something, don't come wasted like the band depends on you especially when like apparently you're supposed to handle the money which you were asked to do and they wouldn't let that particular person do it because i guess they were wasted we've had people take the money that we were selling merch for and went and bought themselves booze with the merch money before Fuck, serious <laughs> yeah see so see this is exactly what this show is going to entail all these fucking things that people should morally what, what was going to i had a I had a good word for it, like voluntary professionalism. I mean, it's things that maybe you should be doing, being professional if you're going to help your friend's band do something. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you're a volunteer, you're doing them a favor, and then you'll go and fuck it up and get drunk. And that's just a whole uh, rabbit hole about drinking and gigs, and which we'll probably hear a lot of that, I'm sure. Similar yeah. Yeah. Well, if you guys are out there still listening, we are starting this new gig tonight. This is the first episode of Dark Side of the Scene. Now, we're going to have a guest on tonight, and every time we have a new show come out, we'll have a new guest, and they're going to talk about all the shit that they've had to deal with while playing in a band. So it can range from bad band members to shitty venues to getting screwed over by record labels, recording studios you name it it's going to happen so if this is something you guys are really wanting to pay attention to keep up with go ahead and subscribe now if you're out there listening you've been in a band and you've had some bad experiences you can also come on the show you can send an email to brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we'll get you scheduled for a future episode but i think it's about time to bring in our guests so we're going to do that here real quick, and then we'll continue the conversation. We're joined by Bram. Bram, thanks for coming out and talking with us tonight, being the first guest of this new venture between Ed and I. Of course, yeah. Thank you for having me. Hi, Bram. 
Hello, hello. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my name's Bram. Uh, I do vocals for a band called Global Plague based here in Indianapolis. I also have my company, Fortify Creations. That's 40FI Creations, where I make concert posters. I do photo shoots, videos, any type of marketing content for musicians. We also have a concert series that we're putting on too, but that is uh, non-metal related, but uh, still something cool that we're doing. So uh, the cool thing is I get to see it from the perspective of a musician and the music business, I guess. So I kind of see all sides of it. Yeah. You've been doing this stuff for about how many years, you think? The company has been established for four. Um, I've been playing music since I've been you know, 10 years old, but the creative art stuff I kind of explored in college. Uh, I ended up working for the Hi-Fi um, as a graphic design intern, making some concert posters for them uh, probably in 2017, I believe. And then I kind of went on to go work a couple jobs, playing a few bands and then ended up um, creating my own business in 2019. Things are going well. Uh, I encountered the beast. The beast took oh, me damn. down. And, damn the beast. Uh, a fucking beast. The, fucking the beast. beast. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's something that I feel like I'm not the only one that really had the the hard time with the the beast. So, yeah. um, but anyway, uh, got back on my feet, got a day job just to make things work. But now business is back in full swing. Uh, through through all that global plague started in 2019. Starting well, I mean, it's it had been demos for years from me, but actually taking it seriously and putting things to paper in 2019. We are now five singles in. Uh, we are working on a, uh, I guess, I don't know if eight songs is considered full length, but to me it is because it's taken two years. But um, we've got a, an album coming out sometime this summer. So uh, a lot of cool things that have been in the works for a few years now are finally seeing the light, which is cool. I do have to ask, you said the name is Global Plague. Right. What the hell? This is your fault, huh? uh maybe what, was, was it named this before the beast 2019 man yeah 2019. <laughs> yeah but like how i mean god it's that's so funny too perfect. because people would, would accuse us of being you know playing into the trope of what was going on in the time and i was like no 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 i have text evidence from 29 actually 2018 of oh, naming okay. naming a band that had not existed yet even making album art for it my buddy was like that's super fucking cool bro and then of course uh beastly things happen two years later <laughs> and then everybody's like whoa man that's crazy but so you would describe yourself as a death metal band I, I don't even know i mean there's a lot of things so it started off as deathcore the first song is very okay. much cookie cutter deathcore i also i wrote a majority of the guitar and bass for the first four songs and then this album i'm just doing vocals because the guys in my band are way better than i am at guitar and bass so hey you know like it's okay you know, a, a vocalist that plays is kind of a good thing yeah opinion, i mean you know, it was one of those yeah it was one of those things where um it started off as me doing a work trade so the drummer in my band he has his own recording studio he's an audio engineer and at the time my business was growing. His business was growing. He was like, hey, I see you play guitar and all that. Are you in a band? I was at the time, but then I was kind of on my way out of it. And I was like, yeah, no, I want to try this this heavier. Because uh, the band I was in before was like kind of like a rock band, not really heavy at all. And I was like, yeah. I really love heavy music, metal music. Uh, you know, like growing up as a kid, like I love Lamb of God, love Gojira, uh, Acacia Strain. 
bands like that um that i kind of related to and played guitar wise and then he was like well if you you know build my website i can give you some studio time and ever since then it's just kind of hit it off from there um but yeah i mean first song was death core second song was more metal corey uh, mm. third song was kind of more uh hardcore i i, I maybe hardcore is maybe not even the right word but like a lot more aggressive a lot less flashy uh the fourth song is uh, it, it even has like circus elements in it it, it just got super weird <laughs> <laughs> but um and now this album we're working on it's a concept album so the fifth single that's out which is the first single from the album fifth fifth in total like songs that are out there um mm. the most recent song is a very heavy sludgy metal goes from like metal core to black metal to like just heavy and then if you listen to it it'll make sense i think what we're doing is we're just kind of conglomerating a lot of stuff together because um the guys in the band they've got influences from dream theater rush their you know musical nerds our guitar player got his uh degree at berkeley for guitar so like he's oh, <laughs> yeah he's yeah he's classically trained he also plays for a, a major artist currently he's he's a, a kiesel endorsed artist so um, all the guys in my band are legit and then and then there's me <laughs> so um but uh yeah it's just it, it's been cool um how it's expanded but i think now we're finally locking into the sound we want to do uh which is i guess what would be considered progressive metal core Sweet. Uh, we actually we had um uh spencer from periphery uh, are you guys familiar with per periphery no yeah. they're okay <laughs> i'm good no, they're, like... they're okay yeah, so Spencer from Periphery, he flew in and he produced my vocals. And he's a he's yeah, he's a nice guy in person. Like, oh, I he's met... awesome. He's he's very yeah. down to earth. Um, yeah. No no ego. He's he's a dude. He's a bro. He just wants to hang out. Um, he was mm -hmm. here for a week, so like the first night, we just all went out and grabbed drinks and hung out, and got to know each other. Um, during the recording, I was super nervous because I knew how to scream, but. I was basically learning how to sing in studio with Spencer producing my vocals. So, and I, you know, I grew up listening to periphery. So I love that music. And um, yep. it was funny. Cause it was like, I was torn between like um, just being super excited and like hanging out with him to like, also trying to get this done and have it like sound good. But I mean, he assured me as we went along that he, he personally liked it and he thought it was cool. So that was, that was really cool to, to hear i was so i was so afraid that he was just going to be like oh this is just another project let's just you know fart it out and get it out of the way but he actually seemed to genuinely enjoy it which was cool right on oh yeah yeah but how did you I come in contact with him so <clears throat> jackson my drummer um he knows a guy who knows him so through <clears throat> mutual friends he just jackson just happened to be in vegas which is where spencer is uh, with his buddy, they were working on a project. Spencer just happened to be there. And uh, I guess Jackson was working on, I don't know if it was my stuff or another band stuff, but Spencer was like, oh, that's super cool. Was that? And Jackson's like, oh, well, you know, I got some some artists back in Indy that uh, were working on some albums. And he said, well, hey, you know, if, if, if the budget permits and they want to work on some stuff, you know, I'd be happy to come out and help. So he listened to the Global Plague stuff and, and he said he wanted to come out. So we hired him to come out and um yeah the rest is history on that but it, oh, yeah. it, it made a world of difference i mean the song that's out now uh, it's called the rivers run red um that single 
just even the vocal structure. I mean, he, he had me do extra ad libs and layers that I didn't even think of, like, kind of like, you know, um, with, with just general production stuff, like, like crowd yells, uh, lows and highs mixed in having things kind of overlap each other in a cool way. Like there's like a, you know, a and B perspective. Um, it, it's just, it was just such a cool experience. You know, I, I tend to kind of just hammer through stuff and not really think of the bigger picture. I'm just trying to get it done, but it was nice to have him sit there and be like, do it like this, do it like that. He even sang some backups on some songs, which not, which made him sound incredible. It was so cool. No, I would take his advice just cause like those, some of the songs, the way he sings, it's what makes that band too, you know. Not only are they technically proficient, like I like his vocally, his vocal styles, his pattern. It's cool. It, it's cool. Their new but stuff's insane. I haven't heard it yet because I don't want to spoil it for myself yet. I'm just gonna buy the album and just start crying because I'll never get that good, dude. But it's, it's so good. Yeah, you'll but like it's fun. it's funny on the subject of like this whole podcast. It's weird how like each of those members live like in another state, yet can produce like amazing music. But yet you have every member in your town or just a town away and you can't get shit correct. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's pathetic. It's like, oh, this, my friend lives, you know, in the next town, whatever. But this band's in different states. And it just seems to work that way when you can't even get your own band in your own town to fucking do anything. <laughs> right. That's just, yeah, this is going to be a, a rabbit hole of things here with what we talk about. But anyway. Yeah, and those guys are all, I mean, they're all really great businessmen, too. So I think that yeah. allows them to continue to do that. They've got good, good drums, and they've got uh, Horizon Devices. They've got, I'm telling you, dude, I was a Periphery fan before I even, like, when they when he sent me the text that said, I might have Spencer Sotelo come out to do the vocals, I I almost shit my pants. I was like, what? <laughs> no, like, they, they did the right thing. Like, they know that, you know, the music business is shit, but they had to rely on, like, you know products and selling marketing themselves it's just yeah and they waited they waited for the right deal which was that was the biggest thing that kept them alive is they they held out the longest they could before they got the deal that they wanted exactly how they wanted it oh interesting how that works (laughs) (laughs) so what's some of the bad experience have you had because so far i'm jealous (laughs) <laughs> right periphery is one of my favorite bands so I- i'm not gonna lie i'm a little jealous <laughs> yeah i like them too well hey man i you i've you've got to connect now if you've got a project that you want him to work on i mean i can i can put in a good word and see if he wants to come through again <laughs> well that'd be great because like the studio we recorded in his indie man could just bring him down there but whatever <laughs> but anyway yeah, yeah i mean per- he's my project's been pretty much dead in the water for the last three years, so I don't really see us doing much. <laughs> so, and what? So when it comes to that stuff, and and that's that's before this band, I've always just like gotten the band. It kind of died down because X member wanted to do this, and this person didn't put in the priority. Have you uh, the band that you were in? Um, remind me what the, the name of it again was. I was in Two Midas May. Two okay. So was that a collaborative effort or was that your baby that you brought in guys to help put together? That was just a band that we were actually a band back in 2007, I think is when it started. And we kind of went our own ways, did some other shit and then got back together in 2016. And then we were doing decent. And then for some reason, 
the beast came around and uh, caused everyone to go into hibernation, I guess. And some people have still been hibernating. I don't know. <laughs> and then the the drummer went to. I honestly don't remember the whole situation with the drummer. I just know we don't have a drummer anymore. So <laughs> that was the that was the extent of that band. We've actually got music written out there that was for an album that needs bass and vocals to it. We've talked about finishing it out. And we've got some new stuff in the works that was started up almost a year ago, and we still have not finished that one song that I was hoping to finish back in July. So I haven't... I haven't put a whole lot of faith in this project anymore. <laughs> I've actually yeah, tried to find some other stuff and other people to jam with, but it's so I don't want to start a band anymore. You know what I mean? I've, I spend too much time and money and energy just to get with musicians who decide that after five months, that you know, what, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, all right. Well, thanks for fucking wasting my time. Right. Well, are you, um, are you a primary songwriter or do you like to work like it collaboratively with bands or with, um, sorry, with musicians? I'm just a vocalist. I can't play anything. So okay, I gotcha. I, I can't, yeah. I can't write anything and help try. I, I, I try and get everyone to help me write my own like patterns. Like hey, toss me some ideas. I have what I want to do, but uh, you guys know how to play with melodies and stuff like that. Right. So toss me ideas, like whatever. So, well, have you taken, I know you said you've, you've dumped money and time already into it. Uh, have you ever tried the approach of like getting studio musicians to kind of craft what you're going for to at least get a foundation laid down and then kind of figure it out from there? Cause I mean, that seems to be what a lot of, I guess, quote unquote band songwriters do now. I mean, that's kind of the case of me as like, I didn't really necessarily have a band. I just knew I wanted to make the music. And then Jackson and John are both engineers and producers. So, I mean, I was just, I've just been very fortunate with Jackson's uh, been a gateway to a lot of people that I've met. Um, he's, he's incredible with how many people he knows. He's also yeah. been a sound engineer for, I mean, he's, I think he's now 24, 25. He's, he's been doing it for like 10 years, but like actually like professionally playing and recording bands ever since he was, you know, 13, 14 years old. So, I mean, he's, he knows his stuff, even though he's young. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm 26, so I'm not much older than he is, but, um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's sometimes you just got to go in and get it laid down or started and then people will come along. I mean, it was just him and I at the beginning and then, uh, his buddy first was John and then now we're all friends, uh, through everything, but you know, he brought in John to do just a guitar solo one time and John just like ripped this crazy, like amazing <laughs> solo. And then we kept doing more songs. We're like, John, do you want to like, you know, throw in some ideas of how you would do this? He was like, yeah. And then it just kind of all collaborated. Um, and they, they are studio musicians. So like, you know, I paid for it. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to have a, a good job um, to afford it. Cause I know it's, I mean, it's expensive to do it really the, the right, I guess the right way. I mean, you could still do it on a budget. It's just that to get to that next level of production, if you're going to do it, you might as well pay the extra money to really make sure it's good hmm. nice. in a production sense i guess because obviously i mean you can still put bad music even if you have a million dollar studio but combination of really spending the right money on the recording and if if you need the songs written having them written in a structure that actually makes sense and works because um 
I mean, it's just, it, it's all subjective to what genre you're into. I mean, if you're in kind of more of like a hardcore band, I mean, less is more, I mean, you could record with a potato and, and have a tin can for your snare drum and people will probably love that too. So, um, but I think the big thing is, is sometimes you just got to go in and do it yourself and then figure out the band later. Cause that's the reality is, is, I mean, once you're past the age of like 22, I mean, if you have kids or a job or anything like that, there's so many factors that can, you know, th throw curveballs in a whole band structure. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'll turn 39 here in two days and I have four kids. So <laughs> turn the, up. It's the, bedtime. The dream is uh, pretty much non existent these days for <laughs> me, at least. That life, that ship has sailed. <laughs> is there a way you'd want to stay at like obviously there's there's this podcast is there other ways you want to musically stay involved but that's not necessarily a full band or a full project i actually went out and bought a three thousand dollar pa system because i was supposed to be jamming with these guys down in indy this summer and we're going to do a full-on band so when i was talking with them they didn't have a pa system and i was like well i got a decent enough job i'll just go and get what i need so I went and bought the PA we jam once and then we needed a bass player. So I brought my buddy down, he used to be in TMD with me and we jam one more time. And then after that, it never had together. And they're like, Oh, we just want to think we're just going to do studio stuff. So I'm looking at it right now. It's down here in my basement the big PV PA system that I bought just sitting here with the tag still on it, collecting dust. <laughs> you could, so, maybe you need to start up a rental company. That's you... that's what I said. I'm gonna start doing sound and DJing or some shit, <laughs> dude. Like I'm, I'm, I'm serious, man. The sound guys are hard to find. You know, that is start, true. Start well, the horror stories of the sound guy is most of them suck, and then the ones <laughs> that don't suck, the band scoops them up for the road. Yeah. yeah. Well, not not even that, but no one takes care of the fucking gear, and I would be mad if <laughs> someone's oh here's two hundred dollars, come do sound the fucking venue dips me out of the money because they didn't make enough at the door and then do you my, think it's, my mics get smashed or stolen do you think it's <laughs> more of the sound man's laziness slash um lack of like knowledge or do you think it's more of the venue not paying them enough for them to care enough and when it comes to live venues <laughs> a combination of both I don't know. Maybe we're gonna, we should get a sound guy that like. Well, I don't know. Let's sound guy on here. See what his nightmare stories. This would be a long podcast. Otherwise, I, I know quite a few sound guys from playing. You know, I've played a couple of different venues around town, and I since I film and photograph bands, I I've filmed the hi-fi more times than I can count, and mm. different venues and different studios, and they're a tight group. Um, at least the sound guys that I know for like the most part in the Fountain Square are, are, are decent guys. They just they just keep getting thrown curveballs. It's I, it's so funny. I feel like almost every time I see them, they're in a new studio or starting a new project. Or like I've seen this the same sound guy like five. I just saw him recently too. I've seen him in like five different locations, and he's like, "I made this, but then I closed that, and then they hired me here, but then the venue shut down, so then now I'm here." <laughs> so it seems Damn. like they get tossed around pretty bad. There was one sound guy from the Kokomo area. He and I don't think the place is open. It used to be called Center Stage. Mm. And played there a few times. And this dude was probably the best guy they had. So if you see him there, you know the show might suck, but at least you're going to sound good. But huh. 
and then there was times we played there and it wasn't that guy i'm like well Shiro's probably gonna suck and we're gonna sound like shit so <laughs> speaking of the sound guy legends there is one in town which i'll leave him anonymous um in case he doesn't want us to talk about him let's just call him jeff uh which is not <clears throat> his real name but jeff i met uh at a festival in wisconsin and this guy is just the one of the most amazing human beings i've ever met because he pretty much doesn't make money he just lives off of trades entirely he like he'll go do a show he'll get paid some scratch and then the deal is that they feed him they give him housing someone drives him someone gives him clothes like it just he doesn't care to have actual cash money and he's so cool with just doing whatever is going to happen that me and my buddy were driving up to that, sh the festival to bring him up there. And we were in Chicago and he went to the bathroom. We were at a gas station. We were like, how funny would it be if we just left Jeff here by himself and he just, and he just find his way to Wisconsin. So we just left, like we left him at the gas station <laughs> and for like, for, for like 10 minutes, he didn't like call us or anything. He didn't really care. And then eventually we called him because we were like, we, it was a joke. You know what I mean? We were going to turn around <laughs> and we called him and he was like, Hey man. And we're like, Hey, are you, did you want us to drive you? He's like, Oh, you left, didn't you? And we're like, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I met some people. They're pretty cool. We were talking about, blah. and he just like completely forgot that we were on a road trip. And it was even funnier with a joke because we meant to turn around, but we were in Chicago and there was like four miles of traffic where you could not turn around because of construction. So he was at that yep. gas station for like an extra 45 minutes. <laughs> so it was just, but he he's, he's a true gem. And every time I see him at shows, like he always just talks about like sleeping outside or like eating whatever's left on the tables. And he's, he's just such a great dude. Like a homeless guy with a job. That's strange. It's, it's so funny, man. I mean, that oh. it just tells you that, you know, money can't buy you everything, but no. it huh. might get you a place to stay for the night. Sure. Does he look like Chong? Chong? I saw that picture. I don't know why. Um, you know, not, he, he's closer to looking like that than I guess a clean cut civilian. So you're not entirely wrong. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah but what are what are some of your guys's favorite or i guess infamous stories of uh live show <laughs> playing uh damn i've got a story that i'm trying to get some of my old bandmates to come on and talk about but i'll bring up a little bit and this is this is a fucked up story and very disgustingly gross, but we were on mini tour and we stayed at this motel and no one will take credit for it. No one wants to own up to it, but I woke up the middle of the night to go take a piss and someone had took a shit in the toilet and didn't flush and apparently didn't wipe. And it looked square like a brick. And I, was, I came out like, who the fuck did that? They're like, what? I was like, it wasn't there earlier. Cause I know we all use the toilet. And I know it's not venue related, but we never, no one ever admitted to that of the six people that was in that band. Not one single person ever owned up to it. So it's kind of it's a just, running, it's a running joke. We always like who bears the square because no one wants to admit that they have apparently like a fucking brick size asshole that 
they could just clog the entire toilet. <laughs> brick sized, brick sized asshole <laughs> sounds like a grindcore band. <laughs> but that, if we ever do an episode and we actually talk about that with an old band, I, that whoever's going to name the episode, uh, who bears the square? <laughs> you just need to bring him on and just and just hit him straight between the eyes and just be like, "All right, it's time to confess in front of turd burglar." <laughs> the turd burglar. That was the same uh, night that. Our drummer at the time was only 15 or 16, and it was probably back in 2008, I think. So, hell, I was only like 23, 24, something like that. And that'll scar you for life. But we were playing at this bar, and this middle-aged drunk lady gets up on stage, and I didn't have a shirt on because they'd have air conditioner in the bar, and it was in the middle of fucking July, so it's hotter than balls. And I'm just pouring sweat. And she starts licking me from like the pant line, short line, whatever I was wearing, up to my neck and like tried to lick my face. And I kind of like palmed her off, like almost pushed her off the stage. I'm like, what the fuck is this bitch doing? <laughs> and she came over and asked later on, like, was trying to like hit on me. And I was like, I'm married. She's like, not in Ohio, you're not. I was like, uh, I mean, Ohio's for lovers. <laughs> Ohio is for lovers. She's like, why won't you just fuck me? I was like, he will. And I point <laughs> over to the drummer. I thought she'd leave me alone enough. She said she went over there and like took him out back. And then we were laughing about it. And we're like, oh, old, old Brad over there is going to get some old lady looking at it now. I was like, as I've gotten older, it's it's still funny. But at the same time, like, yeah, we just sent a, a kid out there. for the fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we saw this dude take off running out back where she took him. And so we're like, oh, shit. So we all ran out back thinking that this dude's going to go beat the shit off our little drummer. He shouldn't even have been in the bar. He was only 16, but they didn't card him. They were selling him beer. I was like, apparently in Ohio, they don't have any fucking rules or card anybody. I was like, and he looked young. There was no way that they thought he was 21. And we go around the back and this dude comes around real quick. He's like, don't beat me up. Don't beat me up. We're like okay what the fuck's going on and there's brad with his pants around his ankles but he still had his underwear on he's like man she like tried to rip my clothes off and the dude come and grabbed her and took her away i was like that's probably for your best interest buddy <laughs> we took him, yeah, we took him back a lot worse. we took him up front and like put him up in the van we're like just just hang out here dude but i don't know that's always been my when someone asked me like a fucked up band story, that's always the one that always comes to mind because it's the same night that we ended up going to the motel afterwards and no one would ever admit to clogging the fucking toilet with a massive... Broke into the room and yeah. shit. Dude, that's so funny. Like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't flush or nothing, so we left. It was still in the toilet, oh, so... <laughs> it vegetated. No, I don't have, like, too many nightmarish stories. I mean, there might be, uh, but off the cuff. The only one I can remember, it's not even nightmarish. Like, we showed trade traded with one of my first band we show traded with a band from chicago and they were kind of like shock rock i'm not sure what the fuck they were and they got like a singer and he had like dreads he's obviously like you know had that front man fucking tight pants gothic that guy 1999 look. adidas tracksuit new metal guy i uh, something like that i don't know like chris cracked out chris angel i don't remember but like so we brought them back to our town and I don't know if I'm supposed to say cities. Am I supposed to say cities? Does it matter? I don't no. give a fuck. <laughs> okay. Hopping out cart. There's this fucking dive ass bar called Halftime. 
and my former drummer, he was like the sound guy there. And obviously we show traded up there with this band. So then this band came down and I believe that same lead singer had asked for like, I guess they got three drinks, right? I don't know how many drink tickets, but this dude wanted like Jack and Coke and like, I think, I don't know if he got two or one, but it was in a pitcher size, pitcher size, beer, pitcher size, Jack and Cokes. And this motherfucker apparently drank them or all. And they go on stage and like, you know, they're playing and I'm like, he just starts fucking throwing up, like standing up, like projectile vomit. He's like, huh, huh, and it just went everywhere. And my fucking, my drummer, because I was by the sound booth, my drummer's like, what the fuck? I'm professional. What the? And he's dressed as King Diamond because it's like a Halloween party, right? <laughs> it's just fun for him to fucking start yelling. So he cut them off and he made that dude fucking mop up his puke in front of everybody. Uh, and like, he just started, to, I don't know. It was just, very strange i'm like how and i think that band is still around and i don't know if they're the same name i guess if i could try to look them up but i don't know that's just to me that's fucked up you go to some other city and just that make a fuck fool yourself i don't know yeah dude i have an entire i guess you wouldn't call it a tour but the show run i did with one of my previous bands the whole thing was almost like a meme it was just (laughs) like it was it was the most diy like things couldn't have gone worse yeah now there was there was like two or three shows that were great that were like awesome it's not necessarily like all the venues sucked or anything it's just i think it was more of the band dynamic was just toxic and not like just it got to be that nobody wanted to be around each other it was just well yeah but it was not even like a hate thing it was just like everyone's uh thoughts and feelings of how the band was supposed to go were just not going the ways that each individual person thought but um the last show i believe we did as a band before it i guess disbanded was hilarious uh because it is it was at a venue that i do not believe is in business anymore (laughs) um it is the one the only the citadel in uh indianapolis which was co-owned by the emerson which we've talked touched on earlier um, but anyway, uh, it was jokingly called the Shitadel by local <laughs> people. I was and... getting ready to call it that. <laughs> that. That was that's what it was called in the toilet that they left. <laughs> the Shitadel. The Shitadel. That's, that's the name of that fucking motel. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's the name of that podcast. When you talk to everybody, is who who was the king of the Shitadel? <laughs> but um, we played, and I'll tell you guys off air the band because it's hilarious because they were in recent headlines for something pretty similar and um but anyway this show we booked ourselves like most shows that most bands in the diy market do uh we booked ourselves the guy seemed pretty responsive and cool uh we didn't know that the guy who booked us lived in chicago and the venues in indianapolis so that was kind of a a weird thing um his name start with a c the band or the, uh, the, the the promoter uh yes yeah i believe so i think i yeah. know who you're talking about yeah i won't say anything on air but yeah we can t- we we can have a decompression <laughs> session without the recording on but i, de- I definitely know where this is going <laughs> so Uh-oh. yeah you you've heard this story before i'm sure in some other form but um so we we've sold i don't know 
40 or 50 tickets, you know, for a DIY band, it's, it's good. I mean, that's the Citadel is like a 600 person venue. So in the grand scheme of things, is it much? No, but we did make them, I guess, some type of money. Um, so we get there, um, you know, the, the parking lot, it's, it's kind of weird to find it is probably why they went out of business mainly is just, it was in like this weird, you know, like where a loves gas station and an Arby's kind of intersect, um, in kind of no man's land, the, the parking lot's got like, you know, moss and bullshit growing through it. It's not been maintained for years. Mm. So we get there and there's a line, you know, wrapped around outside because the band that's playing the main band's a big band that, um, you know, had, had a decent draw and we're trying to find a spot to load in. And I go up to the, uh, the, the guards and like, Hey, you know, we're one of the opening bands where's the load in. And the guy just looked at me like. I had a dick growing on my forehead. Like, what, what are you talking about? Um, and he, he was like, yeah, I mean, it's over there. He must've thought like, what, like, who, who are you? Because at the time, all the bands in the bill were there. The big catch of the story is, and you probably already assumed this, uh, nobody knew that we were playing that show. So, uh, wow. we, we walk in and we're like, Hey, we're, we're, uh, this band we're we're, uh, opening for, you know, the, the whole show. And they're like, what do you mean? And the guy pulled out like the, the, you know, the, the spec, li- like we sent a spec list. We sent our links, everything. There was no like promotion. We even, I even made promo videos for the show using the big bands, you know, stuff in tandem with ours. Do you mind asking, or do you mind if I ask what band you're playing with and what is your band name? Because I, I know this story. <laughs> the previous band? Yeah. Um, it was called In the A.M., do you know, I, you probably don't, and it's not, it's not a band anymore. So that name's not really out there anymore. Um, we were, I mean, we were banned for like, I think we did 13 shows. So like, it's not like we were a band for very long. Um, but, but anyway, so <clears throat> we tried to, were you working the Citadel or did you have any relation to that? Or was that something? We else? were supposed to play there a couple of times. And one of the okay. shows was with, Oceano okay. and they messaged us this Mr. C we'll call him <laughs> sent an email to recruit us to come play the show and we were all like okay we can do this yeah we can do that well you got to sell this many tickets well fuck that but whatever and it's hard for us we don't live in the area and we're all older like we're all in our mid-30s we don't have the younger connections like we used to a lot of the people who used to come out to the shows for us have all grown up and got kids. <laughs> so we're not really, we're basically dad metal at this point, it seems like. But <laughs> we uh, we agreed to do this show. And then apparently like five or six other bands agreed to do this show. And then come to find out like no single band really knew who was playing or what. We weren't even on the flyer, even though we had tickets to be selling. Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, dude, they they just kind of, I mean, strap things together. It, it was it was it was so crazy. But, but anyway, we um we, we were there like basically begging, like we like, please just let us play. Like we we've sold tickets. Like we don't have to have a long set. I mean, at the time we had like maybe five finished songs, so it's not like we really even had a thirty minute set, even if we wanted to play one. And um you know, they kept calling. I don't know who they were calling. They were probably calling some toll number just to make us seem like we were being treated. 
but um they were you know calling x y and z they're like okay and then of course they had to talk to the big band because the big band was on a tour and you know they're back in their tour bus doing whatever the fuck they're doing and then sound check comes on and their road crew dude was just so brutal to their the the sound once again the sound guy gets put down the the small man's getting put down by the the big touring band but whoever was doing sound that night was just getting the shit beat out of them by the big band like i remember <laughs> the guy on the stage he's like where's the fucking bass and the, the, he said that like 10 times when they were trying to set up you know like their own uh rack system with the the the, the house system so it was just like we were asking to get on stage while you know stage hands were like yelling at each other and throwing things and like clearly you could tell like they're on like no sleep on a bender but anyway we get to the point where we're playing the show and we get up on stage and our fans show up you know like they're all up in the front we're playing we are like halfway through the second song and i see one of the sound dudes like there was a, he had an assistant come up and it was just sitting there on the stage and was just looking at us like giving us the thumbs up he's like yeah man sounds great sounds great and we got we got to the third song we started playing it and i think like because there was like in that song there was like kind of like a, a a momentary break but the song was still going on that dude came out it had to have been like 12 minutes into our set that he came out like right in the middle waving his arms like it's done they turn on the lights and they took the mics oh my away from God. us Dude, in the middle of our set. And everybody in the crowd was like, what the fuck is going on? And, uh, and, and uh, th there's, there's even funnier things that happened after that, uh, that I'll tell you off air too. But basically then the other, the other bands played big band played. Um, yeah, I did some photos for the big band, but I don't think they even ended up looking at the file later. But um, the, the best part of the story was um, at the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us. He's like, yeah, this is my last show. <laughs> and, and like, he was like, I was, I was planning on doing this. I hate to do it on this one because this one was probably the, the one that felt the worst, but cause you know, we, we played some great shows on that show run, even though we had our differences as a band, but he was like, this is not for me. And I was like, you, you know, you're it's, he was playing bass but he played guitar kind of thing like he was just doing it to be in a band so he quit and then the singer of our band at the time this is my favorite part of the story <laughs> he he walks onto the big band's tour bus mm. to go thank them and he was like hey uh this is, i'm so and so i i played in this band um thank you so much for the opportunity and the singer of the main band literally said, who the fuck are you and why are you on our bus? Oh, my God. <laughs> and he was like, I was in one of the opening bands. You know, we 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 got our set cut short. And then he said, not my problem. And then my, my singer just walked off the bus and he told me that story. And, dude, I just like, especially after the, the like, it was, I don't know, two years of just like, it, it was all like crumbling to an end. I just thought it was so funny. I was like, God, that's just the biggest slap in the face. And that was the last show I played with that band. And then it just, it never, it just dissolved. And I, I love that it ended on that note because it just kind of wrapped up the shittiness of like, like just the, the rapid decline of you're so excited to play these shows. And yep. then you just, you just get humbled every show you play, especially the ones that are like, nobody's there like I, I i almost would have rather had nobody there and we played a full set than to have our fans there and get cut out like mid-song 
That's very similar story to how the first incarnation of TMD ended. And this is going to be a little bit of a longer story because it does have a lot to do with selling tickets and shit too. So, and I don't care to name drop this motherfucker because he can go fuck off at this point. He doesn't do anything (laughs) anymore. But we'll just refer to him as Josh because (laughs) for purposes of slander, we'll just say Josh. Anyways, he had a company called Sound Services and they did all the booking and big shows up in Fort Wayne. And in order to play his shows, you had to pay him up front for all the tickets that you were supposed to sell at face value. So this show was Amur for today, Oceano and Evergreen Terrace. We had to pay $600 to get on this show. Basically we coughed up 600 bucks, mainly me and the bass player at the time. Cause we're the only ones that really had jobs. And we got 50 tickets, $12 a ticket. We sold, it was on a Thursday too. Uh-huh. A Thursday, we had to play at like five o'clock. <laughs> so oh, guess, guess, guess who was there? Hardly nobody. But actually it was, I take that back. There was a decent amount of kids for a, what time it was. It was an all age show. But anyways, we didn't sell hardly dick for tickets. And we we're out in the parking lot. And I told my buddy, because we had the tickets, I was like, dude, let's just start handing them off to people. I was like, all these people are waiting in line. Well, this Josh dude comes out and he starts fucking getting all mad. I was like, what, what's the problem, dude? You already been paid for these. You can't give these tickets away to people. Why not? I was like, we've already paid for them. Yeah, but they're not buying them. So what's the point? What was it? What is it? We already paid him for the tickets, right? It's it's the money, yeah, because the it was just you recouping the, the money would have gone to you if you sold the ticket, right? Yeah, well, he said we're taking money away from him because they were going to buy at the door. Oh, so he started like mouthing off or whatever. I was like, You motherfucker, he's wearing glasses with no no lenses in them. <laughs> Wait, what he had glasses on with no fucking lenses in them. I don't, I don't look like he's a trying- cool guy. I don't know if he was trying to be like hipster before it was like hipster or this he's starting his own trend, but like he had glass with no lenses. And I but like, he looked got... like the fucking peanut guy on the planter's peanut. I saw a picture now. <laughs> so I walked up to him and like, as soon as I went up to him, he instantly like ducks, like, don't hit me. I was like, you're a fuck. And I just basically told him <laughs> off or whatever. And he like ran and hide, hid, whatever you want to call it. And then we started to play the show. And the drummer we had at the time, it quit. So we had this guy lined up that was supposed to be drumming for us. We jammed with him a few times. Well, apparently he had this other band that he really wanted to play with, ask him to come play with them. So he bothered to uh, not tell us that until the middle of the show. And the first song we played, one guitar player string broke. Uh. And then so, and the actual input jack fell out of the guitar this is like the worst show ever (laughs) the input jack completely fell out so he has to jump off the stage and just watch us and then we played one more song and then we started to play the third song they turned the shit off on us so we paid six hundred dollars to play two songs (laughs) man and then um basically we're almost got in a fist fight out in the parking lot because we were taking away money from the guy that we'd already paid $600 for along with the two other 
bands that also had to sell 50 tickets at $12 a piece. So that's $1,800. So I don't know how much a tour package would be. And then the venue and everything, not to mention there was like a bunch of people waiting outside that were not having tickets. So I know they had to make some sort of money, but his big argument was that we were taking money away from him to recoup because he has to front all this stuff. I was like, you don't front it. We're giving you money when you make us sell tickets. So, so you said this cunt isn't. Yeah, I'm gonna say cunt. Yeah, this cunt good. isn't in the business no more, right? No, he's not. See, that's the again. This is the whole point of this the show. Just people like that. Like, why the fuck do you exist to do that? Well, you know. Well, here's the dumbasses that we are. We went back and actually played another show with him. Same place yeah, but, up, in, up in Fort Wayne, different man. In a way, you think that's the way it's supposed to be, right? And it's like you kind of don't have a choice because you want to get heard by a bigger audience. Yeah, I get yeah. all that, but man, that's fucked up. We, you know? we played with Haste today, and we ended up selling. Mm. He gave us 25 tickets to sell, mm. and I think they were like 10 bucks. So we gave him $250. We actually sold all those tickets. Like, it wasn't just handing them out. Like, we actually sold those tickets. And I actually asked him for a couple extra because some other people wanted it. And then one of the other bands went and asked him how many tickets we sold. And he told them, and they gave him, like, another 20 or $30 just so they didn't have to open. <laughs> Jeez. So, so they had to play after us, which was their mistake because, and I'm not trying to sound like a cocky asshole, but we had the most people there. As the opening band, well, a lot of the people that came just basically to see us, and like of the people that bought the tickets from us, they didn't really care about anybody else. Like I was like, okay, (laughs) whatever, and then they left. And by the time Haste Today played at the end, there was maybe like thirty, forty people left. But when we played, there was over a hundred some people. So as the night progressed, like the headlining band didn't even have like that many people left for him. So in a sense, I actually kind of felt awkward about the fact that the band that I assumed everyone was coming to see <laughs> didn't even have the crowd there at the end. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, <clears throat> it's always so interesting with uh, the bigger bands that come into the new markets because it's like, it, it's like almost show stealers. Cause it, it's, it's going to happen, especially if you're trying out a new place and especially if you've got a band that's got a strong, local presence um that same like show run and i was gonna i was gonna even ask you guys if you'd seen a show where one of the opening bands was just so much more had so much more energy that they sucked it out of the room when the other bands played because and not Mm. saying that we were that band but there was one show that we thought was going to be like the shittiest show like right when we walked in and saw the room we're like this is going to be terrible and this was like I don't know, four or five shows before that really bad one that ended everything. Um, but like to my surprise, it was in Ohio and that was one of the best shows I've ever played probably in my musical life that, mm. um, and I'll, I'll give them praise and mention them because they're awesome. Is, uh, have you guys ever played or heard of tree bar in Columbus? Heard the name, but no, never played it there. sounds familiar to me, but I'm not, it's it's a hole in the wall it's an old house that was renovated into a bar so like you walk in the living rooms a bar and then like one of the office rooms is like a billiard yeah it's so cool so the venue was a living it was like another i don't know like a a bedroom or office room but you know it was big bigger not like a may if you're imagining i don't know it was maybe 
16 feet wide by like 12 or 14 feet long so it wasn't massive but it was like big enough to fit people in like a house show but it's called the tree bar because there's a 3,000 year old uh, it has to be five feet wide tree stump in the middle of the stage so Mm. you've got like left side and i actually have uh i can send you guys videos later of my old band playing there um but like there's just the giant ass tree stump in the middle and then you've got like band members on the right band members on the left and when you walk in and you see that it's just like this old dingy room we're like nobody's gonna come to this it's gonna suck ass and <laughs> one of the bands that opened for us was a band called courtney from work and they were like a blend between <laughs> punk and the almond brothers it was just such a weird but they do they just they drew well i think there was their hometown or close to it there had to have been about 40 people in there um and dude they were like ripping the the guy was like sliding around on the ground on his back like playing ripping a guitar solo like it was fun then we went up on stage and i don't know how they slammed like 20 or 30 more people in there but people were crowd surfing there were drinks being thrown around um we we always played this uh rage against the machine cover that everybody got hyped on because we had no actual catalog uh besides the five songs that homeboy wrote you know five years ago and never wrote anymore but um but dude and then like the bar paid us the bar brought us shots like it was it was the perfect show and it was just so funny even my dad my dad came down and was there he bought like all of our merch and just started throwing it into the crowd and it was just so it was so funny but yeah it was like that was such a curveball I, it's it's like one of those like don't judge a book by its cover it looked like the worst venue in terms of like the room but it was the best show it was so fun i wonder i wonder if that tree had magical powers like it probably did it it conjured some witchcraft to bring in some people maybe it was a witch tree and they decided like keep it there that they could have like completely yeah that was also the show that at least three different times my entire pedal board had beer dunked on it and it's oh, still it worked the whole time like <laughs> it didn't it didn't break down on me until like three months after we got back it mm. was just yeah it was so funny i had and it, it like you know we were uh like broke at the time so all i all all that was really you know valuable was basically my guitars so my pedal board I had probably like eight pedals and all together it might have cost me like a hundred bucks because I bought all these like knockoff off brand, but they're like the cockroaches of guitar pedals. Like you could have thrown them into a tornado and they would have been fine. Yeah. So the only uh speaking of like buy-in shows, the only buy-in show I think we had did that was a major one in my old band was like uh, it was at Harpo's, right? And it was like it was a weird one. It was like Arsis and uh Sonata Artica, which is strange, you know, because they're totally different genres, still metal, whatever. And it was in Detroit, and I'd never been to Detroit. This was 2012. It's weird how I remember all this, but my my drummer had fronted the money so we could open, and we drove there. It's my first time in Detroit. It's December, so it's like five o'clock, but it's dark as shit. And I'm like, God, this fucking town's dirty, even the highway. Yeah, because you guys have been through Detroit, right? I mean, it's that they don't clean up anything. And we get there, and it's this big, dirty basement. You guys been to Harpo's? No. Uh, where? What city is that in? Uh, Detroit Harpo's. Harpo's. We almost played a show in Detroit, but it got canceled. And then I read the reviews, and it said there was a shooting there. So, sweet. Uh, 
I forgot what venue it was, but it seemed yeah. pretty cool. It was, but it was like a, a a metal staple in Detroit. I forgot what it was called. But... Maybe it's Harpo, or it could have been Sanctuary, but no, it's think, a Harpo. Oh yeah, it was Sanctuary, I believe. It was Sanctuary. Never been there, but we drive up there and we get our shit. And I thought we thought we made it in time, but we literally had like a band in front of us. He's like, "You gotta get on stage now." Blah blah blah. So that was the fastest we got on stage. And then I, I think he cut us. They cut us off. Uh, they did the thing. Just took sound off. I think they cut ten minutes off of our set and my drummer was pissed because he had paid that money he tried to look for the guy and the guy's like the guy he paid he's like he had no clue apparently uh, his brother owns it and they're twins so he's yelling at the wrong guy i don't know that's what, I, <laughs> what he told me and it was the switch and it was weird because like the stage is like i don't know 10 foot high i don't understand how that works and you could fall and die but it was it was an interesting experience for me being in detroit and it's also scary. That's all I can say. I mean, there's some other shit happened afterward, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I just don't understand why you pay out so much and just get treated like shit. But that's the business, I guess, business model. Oh. Yeah, I, I kind of noticed, um, I mean, working in the music industry, unfortunately, it's just everybody. It, it's not even like the uh, venues. It's even like big bands, small bands. And um we were talking about this over messenger before we had this podcast but like putting in the effort to help try to promote and bring up bands but then not getting it and receiving it back i don't know why people are so weird about sharing and like maybe they're afraid that people won't like what they reshare and then because like I, I know with metal like for me you know i've got some friends and family members that are just not into it at all Right. I personally don't care what anyone thinks of me. I'm, I am who I am. Um, you know, I'm not doing anything that's going to hurt anyone. So like, I think as long as you're, you stay true to what you want to do and you just keep focus on what you want. I mean, it doesn't really matter what other people think, but for whatever reason, um, bands, venues, artists can't risk talking about a band that hasn't made it or is on their way up or that they like because for whatever reason they think that if it's not an instant success then they're liable for whatever potential things this band does and doesn't do i think for the most part this is 20 something plus years of maybe being jaded being involved in bands but i've always felt like every band considers the next band competition. They're all jiving, jacking around, fighting for that same show you are, especially around here because there's hardly places to play up in this area. So back in the day, yeah. yeah. So back in the day, everyone's jockeying for that opportunity. So it's a lot of angst, jealousy, bitterness mm. towards the bands that seem like well they get on this show they get well they're only getting on this show because they're buddies with this band and this band and this band but wouldn't looked... you want the next best band with you so that you have like wouldn't you want to open for that next best band if you're trying to get discovered too because you know their fans are going to be there that would be the right. mentality you should have but i don't think right. that's the mentality that most people have like ed and i've talked about this a lot i didn't know ed up until about what three four years ago now but yeah. we ended up meeting on a random show that was basically the band that booked us to play that show owed me a show because i'd booked them a couple times and they finally got me one back and then met with ed everything else i brought them down for a show 
And then he had something scheduled was a kickback towards us, but then the beast came and that never did happen. It was, it was, I remember the flyer, it's going to pop in my feed, but it was the, uh, Halloween in April. Yeah. And the Halloween party or show. Didn't I make that flyer? You did. It was cool. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so still pissed off about that one. But very few bands and I'd booked a lot of bands because there's a bar here in my area that asked me if I would bring in metal bands. Cause a lot of the stuff they'd been doing was hip hop and stuff like that. And they're like, when we played there, we always had a good turnout. And he said, I'll give you $300 if you guys play here. And I always would split that with the bands. We'd keep a hundred, the next band get a hundred and the next band get a hundred. That's just how I've always done. I try and treat everyone fair. And I would always just try and bring in different bands and we would always play last, not because we think we're the headliners. We hate playing last, but we just did it because no one else wanted to. And I don't think it's right to make outside bands come and play last because. Kind of drove, yeah. 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 It's just, they're just going to get screwed. So yeah, those, those like 11, 12 o'clock spots, especially if you have like a DIY show, that's like a four or five band bill. Nobody's staying that long. Yeah. There's really no places around here anymore that's all ages because everyone that I booked, someone would go and fuck the venue up. Like if I'd rented out this building here in Peru, someone would go and write their name on the wall. Well, I didn't get my damage deposit back and then I didn't get to rent the venue anymore because someone went and did something. And then there was a place down just uh, north of Kokomo. It was only 80 bucks back in the day to rent this building. Awesome place. And the dude ripped the urinal off the wall. I walked in there because some dude come and got me. He's like, hey, you need to come in the bathroom. I was like, why? He's like, they're they're fucking shit up, dude. And I was like, okay. So I walk in there. The dude's got this urinal in his hand. There's water coming out on the floor. I was like, what the fuck happened? He's like, man, I was just taking a piss and it fell. I was like, you got some strong piss, dude. Because <laughs> how the fuck did that happen? Pissing bullets. And then... uh, Shitting bricks. Yeah. Shitting bricks so, and pissing bullets. Yeah. So apparently when it comes to bodily functions i just have the worst luck of being involved in these fucking situations <laughs> yeah maybe you just need to be out of music altogether so you can avoid these contagion scenarios no. um, but well i i hope for the future of the the indianapolis area so with with my company we're doing a concert series in carmel very much not metal uh like i said acoustic singer songwriter but the idea is if that's successful, we're also sponsoring a few uh, festivals this year. Uh, one of which is Romanus Fest, which is here in Indy. Are you guys familiar with what that is? No. So Romanus Records is a record company here in Indy. Um, the guy who runs it, uh, his band, it's called Brother O Brother. They're like a fuzz rock kind of uh, band, a two piece and he has a vinyl cutting company that they make these custom vinyls that have like uh glowing liquid in the vinyl and like sand it did one where it had shotgun shells in the vinyl it was it, it's super cool he does all this really cool creative stuff and has gotten a lot of attention from it but anyway they have um a festival here called romanus fest which is some of the bands um the or, or i don't know if it's a necessary label but through their printing company they have bands that come through uh my company's gonna be one of the sponsors this year so hopefully stuff like that will become more frequent especially um if me and my business partner get a little a couple more foots in the doors that we think we will for the year i would love to uh 
put together metal showcases in indie because there's plenty of bands in the surrounding areas that would come here i think if they had the right promotion and the right structure for it because unfortunately the indianapolis metal scene metal scene seems to be a uh show up and we'll figure it out when you get here kind of thing that's yeah that's probably why we haven't played down there because we don't really know how i heard different stories and I don't know. I've been to I great down. metal shows and I've been to some terrible ones. I mean, it's just, it, right. it's all about who puts it on. And uh, yeah. I mean, obviously the big bands are always going to do well. Every big band that's come through, that's a metal band that's played indie and has played, you know, the, the indie venues, they, they do great. Uh, it's just mm. the, it's the DIY middle regional that it's just kind of a crapshoot. Mm. Black circle brewery in Indy is Seems to be the new place to go to. We played there a few times, and it was always a great show. And we played with a couple of bigger bands from there, and they didn't make us sell tickets or any of that bullshit. The dude that runs the place, he knows his whole issues because he's been involved in the scene before, and he's played in some he's, pretty serious bands. So he's in serious bands too, still. Like, is yeah. he like drummer yeah. for? Yeah, he yeah. was the drummer of Skeleton Witch and Demericus oh. and some other stuff. So he oh. he he knows how it goes. Yeah, he's the real deal. But yeah, isn't it definitely uh that's my one thing I will say is definitely try and get on some shows there because he does treat his people good. Yeah, I've I've heard nothing but good things. once once this new project that I have, once our album's out and we start booking some regional shows, that was that was a place that I wanted to try to put a because I mean I, I know about ten metal bands that I mean, granted, you know, is the draw there? That's that's another question. But if they, if I told them we had a show to go uh, to put on, I mean, they'd be there in an instant playing. I I know at least five bands in the area that would just come down and be ready to go. Um, I've I've been buddies with them for a while now, and I've seen a couple of their shows, and they're great. So, um, it seems to be a really cool venue, and they they do stuff outside of metal too. I think they do more like do they do rock as well, right? Yeah, yeah, they like... do. They do some mixture of stuff here and there but i think for the most part they it's more on the heavier side yeah well you got some final things you want to discuss or do you want to lead us on into the song that we're going to play here for at the end for you um i guess we can pose a, a quick rhetorical question i mean what what would be one thing that everyone can do in their local metal community that you think would help keep it healthy and keep people uh interested like is it putting on a showcase with a bunch of bands in the area kind of like a battle of the bands type of thing or is it a um maybe we do shout outs for bands like it, i guess as as musicians to try to keep this scene healthy and keep other people motivated is it is simple things like sharing or doing videos and podcasts about it? What do you think is, is going to be the stuff that gets people from, from post post beast era, post beast era, gets the them back, back into the swing of, of going for, to DIY shows. And for but, me, like I just kind of been more, yes, yeah, sharing more things like for the longest, I don't know what happened to the Facebook algorithm, but like, it seems like you can like post as yourself a lot easier. So it's easier to switch your personal profile and then the band profile. So like lately, I've just been posting more stuff about uh, so just random posts. And it seems like people are, are more engaged when you just 
type something really stupid as the band and like you know i am you know the other day i posted about like what's the most metal food there is and i said black forest ham and i got all these crazy responses and it's just cool to be you know that people were basically interacting more with people that they know that okay this band's pretty cool maybe they'll i'll come see them and and you know and people should just go to shows again i mean the beast did no i keep saying it the beast did nobody favors and now since like everything's quote in the clear and cold I mean, whoa the beast whoa. might need to bleep that one out i didn't say it bleep. So, it's so easy to say it the but, co beast uh, the kobe bryant anyway um <laughs> but it now that a lot of people got their lives back they can go out and enjoy shows without being worried anymore and i feel like our scene got affected a little bit and it's just like go out go out like if you're, we're gonna go out some way you might as well you know go out having fun enjoying what you like to do so i don't know if that's much advice but but what do you think brandon <laughs> i don't want to go on a tangent or anything but sure I think bands in general need to be more open to the other bands. There's a lot of elitist gatekeepers involved in these scenes around here that I've noticed. Like there's one specific band that, well, this is our area. And if you don't kiss ass with this band, you're not going to get on their shows because this band rules the roost. Ed can attest to this because there's a certain band up in his area that was pretty much on every show. And if you weren't on their shows and if you weren't buddies with them, you weren't playing on their shows. And that band's no longer around. There's also places in Indy that was the same situation. And there were the same things pretty much everywhere. I think there is just from my point of view of playing in bands. There's always, like I said before, it's almost like a competition. And then you have the elitist gatekeepers. And it's just hard for bands to come together and support each other because they all feel like they have to be assholes to each other because they're jealous. Like, you're taking my spot. No one's trying to take anyone's spot. They're just trying to do the thing they love. Right. At least that's how I felt about it. That's I why know. I've always tried to hook people up. I always try to give them shows and stuff like that. But a lot of bands don't do that. Like, yeah. hey, man, I booked the show. Hey, can my band play? Can my band play? Sure, sure. Hey, you guys got a show up there. You think you can get us on there? Sorry, dude. For what? Like, it's full. It's like, no, you said you're looking for bands. Well, I've got bands in mind. I'm actually <laughs> paraphrasing a real conversation that I had with some D-bag. But it's like, I mean, you remember the three times I booked you down in my area and now I want to come up towards Fort Wayne and you're like, no, nah, dude. Okay, whatever, Dick. <laughs> that's what I'm, that's always rubbed me the wrong way is when you deal with people that are all about themselves. Like, and yeah, I'm, I think, I think what it takes is like, a hometown buddy band just to make all those other bands look stupid by just setting a good example and just being good people and just you know just being an open i there's there, i have a buddy that's in another band that we, we talk about all the time where he he had a very discouraging um realization when some bigger bands that he looked up to kind of were talking shit about him behind his back and uh, it just and then and, and you know he found out and it was it was really like you know he went through a lot um actually i think he might have um i think he might have uh like your original thread asking for people to come on here i think he's one of the people that um message and he, he has a, a a big story to tell i mean for sure he's got a lot of he's played so many bands and he's he's done a lot of live shows i've seen him at quite a few and he's a great dude it's just 
it sucks when um yeah just it, when people who you think were your friends are talking shit about you and it just i think it hurts more that it's just you trusted them and you kind of give that breach of trust mm-hmm. i'm at i guess yeah, i'm at that point. age yeah i'm at that age where i guess i don't care but i yeah. try to be decent i try to be decent to everybody i mean i don't i mean we've trade not trade showed but we've had bands come but then we don't hear from them no more like i had put a show together somewhere and I have yet to hear from a couple of those bands, see if they wanted to, you know, invite us to something they're doing. Nothing. Maybe because they're, they're young they're young and they don't know any better. I don't know. Because, you know, when you're young, younger, whatever, you got that drive to do, you know, the best for yourself. And you don't really right. think about the little things. And the bottom line is, like, what is the goal? Because obviously you're going to eat shit for a while anyway. And, you know, most touring bands have a normal job because yeah it's a little any... scary unless you like unless you sell your soul to the illuminati or some bullshit you're not gonna make a lot <laughs> for those who don't know metal music does not make you money that's why a lot of the bands like ed just mentioned like even the bands that we really like and go see they typically do something outside like periphery where they have their own little business ventures music related but that's how they make their money yeah there's, there's no, no way homeboy can afford a lamborghini being a metal show so yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah dude those those dudes are the champions of um just just doing it and doing it smart the slow burn uh if you yeah i mean if, if you try to blow up too fast then you'll fizzle out but if you slow climb your way up you can maintain a career yeah well bram yeah, I definitely uh, appreciate you coming out and talking with us tonight. You've sent me a song. If you want to talk about it a little bit, we'll play this here as once the conversations are over, and that'll be how we end our future podcast for anyone out there listening. Is anytime a guest comes on, we'll be playing one of their songs in the podcast, so everyone get a chance to hear the bands we're talking to. Sure, awesome. Well, thank you again for having me on. I love being a part of everything and anything that is music industry. Um, it's just really important to talk things out because I feel like a lot of people want to know these types of conversations with maybe, and even just fans of music. I I think some people find it very interesting, but, uh, the song that we'll be playing tonight is called the rivers run red. It is our latest single. It is the first single off of our, uh, upcoming album, uh, titled to no, no bounds. Um, and that'll be out sometime. Uh, mid to late summer we're, we're almost wrapping up on the tracks but uh this song kind of sets the scene for the whole album it's a concept album it is a dystopian thriller <laughs> sure sci-fi ties in elements of where technology is currently going and how it'll be implemented into society specifically um with uh how they treat prisoners so um i'll leave it at that uh, if you read the lyrics, it's I try to make it as straightforward as possible, but not like too on the nose. Uh, but if you read the lyrics, which is if you look up our song on YouTube or um, you know Spotify, you should be able to find them. Um, pretty clearly sets the scene for what's going to happen for the whole album. Right on. Hey. You want to plug your band's website, Facebook, anything before we uh, sure. sign off? We are on OnlyFans. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we, only slams. 
now um we we've got instagram facebook um i'm really reluctant on making a tiktok for the band because i just made one for my business but it seems that it is crucial for oh my god i'm in the same boat dude yeah i think i well we and the thing is if you go on our instagram page i mean all of our studio vlogs are just stupid as shit like that we just have fun i have a character that uh is the manager of the band it's just me with a wig on and i have a new york accent just talking about how i steal the band's money all the time um, <laughs> we we just fuck around uh most of the time it's the, the music's too like heavy and serious for us not to be a bunch of idiots so uh instagram facebook um and eventually tiktok and and other means of media when we start playing shows probably a website but um yeah follow us send us a message um we're always happy to talk to people and um love uh hearing new bands music so any bands that are listening can send us their stuff too i'd love to listen to it and give feedback awesome awesome sweet sweet well, Bram, thanks for coming out and talking with us tonight and here popping the cherry of the first episode. So, oh, it feels <laughs> so good, brother. <laughs> and again, if you guys out there listening, if you've been in a band and you want to talk about some of the fucked up shit you guys have dealt with over the years, you can email me at brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we will get you scheduled for a future episode. So, all right. Well, Bram's band's going to lead us on out. So, thanks for listening. Good night, everybody. Peace. Peace.